Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. I have a message that's prepared, and it's all about money, and it felt very like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I still feel like it's it's what I'm going to share. So I I I have um, I anticipate preaching a little. So I want you to be prepared for that. And I anticipate at the end of the service, and I just want you to prepare for this as well. Is I want to open up um, what we'd call the altar or the front here, and I just want to open up for prayer. Um, and it doesn't have to be specifically around this, around finances. But I just I have a conviction that we need to pray about the things that we need, right? When um, you know when when I heard that. Uh, John was locked up, had Kimberly come into my office, and we prayed for him. And then we reached out to our Vernon team, and they prayed for him. Then I reached out to some other people who I knew would pray to pray about. Not just people I knew I could inform, but people I knew who would pray. Um, and I just want to join with you if there's something that's on your heart. Um, and let me give this other encouragement. I was having a meeting this week with a pastor in Edmonton, um, and he said something that he started to do, which I thought was interesting. Um, he said whenever someone comes to the front for prayer, he's started to ask them, what do you want? Because uh, Jesus was really interesting in all of his ministry, like when there was someone with a broken leg and saying, like, help me, Jesus was like, well, what do you want? Because he always puts the onus on us to ask for what we want to draw out of him. And so so often we don't have what we want because we're not asking for it. Jesus, I, it seems almost cruel. You've got a broken leg, but... Jesus says, I need you to stir up what's in you to ask for what you want. So um, just prepare that if you come up for prayer, I'm going to say, hey, what do you want? So we can join with your faith in believing for that. Um, but I want to share this message, and I'm going to start with some statistics, some really exciting stuff. I know. Whew. Actually, let me start with this quote. It's uh, by a billionaire. His name is Charlie Munger. And, it, and he says this, it is not greed that drives the world, but envy. It is not greed that drives the world, but envy. I don't know about you, but we're coming across Christmas and we've been trying in this series to talk about two things that are stressors or things that are difficult around Christmas time, relationships and money. This week, it was very clear to me that relationships are very hard at Christmas as my wife and I sat at the table discussing back and forth where we were going to be, when we were going to be, who was allowed to cook the turkey and who was not allowed to cook the turkey and you know, all these pithy things that still are the things that you discuss over Christmas. Um, and I want to read this stat, these stats. Uh, it's from a, a place called Review Moose. Moose sorry, Review, Review Moose. It says, in 2020, 29% of Canadian holiday consumers planned on spending less money than they spent. In 2020, 47% of Canadians surveyed claimed claimed to have set a holiday budget. So... Less than one in two set a holiday budget. 55% of Canadian millennials exceed their holiday spending budgets, exceeded their holiday spending budgets in 2018. According to the global average holiday spending per person, Canada ranks the third highest spend per person, second to the UK and America, or third to the UK and America. 24% of Gen Z shoppers worry about credit card debt during the holiday season, 22 percent of millennials do as well in 2019 canadians plan to spend an estimated 1593 dollars during the holidays 
It's from Investopedia. When holidays come, how many of you know there are demands and requests on your money? No, none of you. None of you had had anyone demand or request your money around holiday. It's this thing that happens. It's like, it's like this obligation almost that, that you have to give a gift. Like we were having a conversation, Kimberly and I, the other day, um, and she's like, okay, are we getting gifts for your siblings? And I said, no. Uh, and I said, but if we get no gifts for my siblings, that means we're getting no, she's, we're getting no gifts for your siblings. She's like, well, that's not happening. I said, well, we have to have something equal here. I got to tell you, like I, by nature, if you ever have done those love language things, like gifts are not existent on mine. They are high on Kimberly's and don't exist on mine. Pray for us. <laughs> I there's like honestly, gifts just it's just never been a thing that really resonates particularly with me. Um, yet there is still this nature and this reality that there is a sense of honor that is required when you give gifts. The Bible talks a lot about that honor comes in gifts. Now. What does that mean? Well, you can break it down for what you mean. And there's, there's three points that I really want to bring and, and hopefully can bring some direction for you this Christmas. Um, and I'm, I'm going to do these three points. It's going to be, uh, point number one is going to be give what you have. Point number two is going to be make a budget. And point number three is let your yes be yes and your no be no. Number one, give what you have. Number two, make a budget. Number three, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I want to turn to a scripture right off the top. We're going to turn to 2 Corinthians 9. And I got my paper Bible. I know. I'm winning. God's been waking me up earlier to read out of my paper Bible recently. It's been fun. I'm almost at a, up at Russ's hour. Four. All right, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. This is Paul. He's writing to the Corinthian church. I actually shared this a couple weeks ago here. Is um, He's writing to the Corinthian church, and he's telling the Corinthian church that he's, he's going to come. He's expecting that there's going to be provision. He's been telling everyone how generous this church is. Doesn't it feel great? I've been telling everybody how generous you are, so when I come, make sure you're generous so that I don't look like a fool when I come. This is the paraphrase of the very start of this verse. But he says this, he says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. But, or for, God loves a cheerful giver. Everyone heard that verse before? God loves a cheerful giver. How often do you hear the part before? God loves a cheerful giver comes right after Paul says to people, please prepare your offering in advance because I'm coming for it. And he's saying, if you prepare your offering in advance before I come for it, then you have the spirit about you to be cheerful when you give. It's not actually, I remember one person um, coming to me one time and saying, because I gave a message on tithe, and they're like, well, I don't think that's scriptural. It says God loves a cheerful giver. And he says, yeah, so be cheerful when you tithe. Is really what the Bible's saying. It's not saying only give what you're happy to give. I'm not happy to give anything. There's not a time that I want to give my money. I'm happy to keep everything. But God loves a cheerful giver means that I determine something greater than myself in that. And But before we get to the God loves a cheerful giver, it says this. It says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Let me be very clear about something. something there's a lot of things in our Christian walk that um, look the same on the outside, 
um, but have very different fruit based on the motivation on the inside. So this says, give not out of compulsion. There are many times in our church and in our life that, I, that it's important for us to be compelled to do something, but not compulsed to do something. Compulsed means that we are required to do something against our will. If you are giving out of compulsion, this is what happens. How does it happen at Christmas? Someone shows up to your house with a gift. The next time you see them, you suddenly have a gift for them, and we're never planning to give them a gift. Out of compulsion. So, when it comes to this, and, and, and uh, uh, the, the reality is that the fruit doesn't come when we give out a compulsion because the fruit has to come out of a generous spirit. Here's an interesting thing is if you do not get a, if you don't get a revelation of tithing, just doing it doesn't work until you have a revelation of faith behind it. Because it's not the practice, it's the motivation behind the practice. Some people, they see people who have faith do like steps of faith, take steps of faith, and they think, okay, if I do that same recipe, it'll happen. Well, no, no, it's not the compulsion, it's the compelling. It's when I get the revelation of it that I reach out to it. It's when I get God speaking to me about something that I get out to it. And this ties into my very first point. Give what you have. Statistically, 25% of people are going to go into debt over Christmas. Can I tell you very clearly, that is not God's will for you. Anything, if you need to go into debt for Christmas, you need to stop because you do not need to go into debt for Christmas. Not society, not anything else. Let's, let's squash this for a moment and, and get a Christian principle. Debt is not required for Christmas. If you have to, if in order to spend your $1,500 that it says here, or whatever it is, in order to spend that, you need to go into debt, then you need to look at your list of things because there's things there that shouldn't be on there. Instead of using that as the decision of going, no, no, no. What does it say this in, um, in Proverbs? It says, Proverbs 22, verse 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. Please, I, I know we're a little bit maybe last minute, which means, you know, your parents aren't getting gifts this year or whatever. I don't know. You know, we might be close to the end, but let me encourage you. God's desire is not for you to go into debt. His desire is for you to be generous and cheerful, not compulsed to do something out of obligation, to do something out of your heart's desire. But his desire is not for you to go in debt. Let us be a church that is counterintuitive to the community around us that say, hey, this is what I've got, and that's what I can give. I love that scripture is all about that. Tithe is all about the principle of giving a percentage of what I have, which means it's not giving what I don't have. God doesn't ask you to give anything you don't have. He asks you to give what you do have. And if you try to give what you don't have, you'll never give what you do have. And then you'll miss out on what you could have. God desires our time, our talents, and our treasure, all things we have not things we don't have. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. First point, really simple, very spiritual. Give what you have. That might be mean being very creative. Maybe giving isn't about a financial obligation. Maybe giving is something that you make. You know the presents that I'm likely to keep for the next 20, 30 years? 
not likely anything that my children buy me because they're horrible gift givers when they buy things. <laughs> Sham wows or whatever. But you know what I'm likely to give? The thing that costs them nothing in money we put it under our tree this year. It was this paper mache mason jar that Eli made in grade one. I asked him, I said, who paid for the mason jar, Eli? <laughs> he had no response. But isn't it funny how the things that don't cost much tend to have more out of it? What was that first quote? The world is not, uh, what, I, let me pull it back up because I'm going to get it wrong. It is not greed that drives the world, but envy. Most of the things that take us into debt at Christmas time is not our desire for something. It's our envy of what other people have and what other people can do. Our society has become so comparison-driven that it's seeped its way into everything that we do. That is getting us into a point, because I spend so much time on social media comparing what that person has for Christmas, what that person's going to do, that they're going to Mexico or they're going to Silver Star or they're going to rent a cabin here or they're going to have a big ham and turkey that I allow myself to go past the scriptural premise that the lender or that, the, the, the lend, that, that we are indebted, we are a slave to the lender. So we allow ourselves because of comparison to get ourselves into debt that gets us into slavery under unnecessary things, not out of things we want, but out of an envy of what has. Isn't it interesting how many things, if we actually boil down what God's trying to teach us, they all just seem to come back to like the little Ten Commandments. Do not envy others. That means you won't go into debt because then you won't be buying something you can't have because they have it. It's like the basic principles just come back and back around. Love one another. Well, you know, when you were angry at someone, when you chose not to go to the family's house, when you isolated yourself there, well, that was just anger, you know, like love one another. All these things that are basic principles. Get what I'm saying here, hopefully. So one, give what you have. Number two, make a budget. I know, it's so practical. It can't possibly be scriptural. It's a joke. No one laughed except for Russ. Thank you, Russ. Habakkuk 2, verse 2. Now, I'm going to be using this a little bit out of context, but here's the thing that I, I recognize is that um, there's a lot of context in, in Scripture. There's things that uh, Scripture says specifically for a, a specific group of people on a specific premise. However, there's a lot of principles that can be extrapolated from that that are not about the context, but are about a principle that God's trying to speak to us, okay? So this is the principle I'm pulling out of this, not the context I'm pulling out of it. Habakkuk 2, verse 2, Habakkuk gets a vision. God says to him, write, the, write down the revelation or the vision and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Ever heard that before? Write the vision plain, make it clear so, you can, so he who sees it can run with it. That's what the message version says. Write the vision, make it plain so he who reads it can run with it. Here's something I've noticed as a married person. I can't have a budget that my wife does not know about. And my wife can't have a budget that I do not know about. When we first got married, our biggest budget issue, and it still sometimes is the same issue because, I don't know, I guess same issues you start with marriage, you continue with maybe. Um, when we got married, we set a budget for our groceries or, or food or whatever, and, and Kimberly had grown, she was in university, she was cooking a lot, so I don't know, let's say it was $300, I don't really remember. And I was a bachelor and I didn't cook, so I ate out. So it was great. We set a budget $300, so she bought $300 worth of groceries and I bought $300 of eating out. Well, that didn't work. When the budget was $300 total. 
But when you have a, a partnership, you have to write it down. It has to be clear and make it work. Most people, or let me read this statistic, 26% um, of shoppers, this is from Capital Counselor, 26% of shoppers without a budget spent a lot more than they initially planned. Those with a budget, on average, spent 10% less. If you write a budget, you will save money at Christmas. If you do not write a budget, you will spend more than you should at Christmas just by doing it. Same goes practically for your personal life. If you have a budget for your monthly finances, you will spend less money than if you do not have a budget for your monthly finances. Really simple. Write the vision, make it plain so he can read it and run with it. Do you have a budget for your Christmas spending? Because that might be the time. You know, just, I'm not going to look at you, Jesse. That's a problem right there. Because um, if you don't have a budget, that's how you end up in debt. This is what I always do. I'm bad at this stuff. I'm, I'm not telling you things that I am great at. I'm just telling you things that would help all of us. Okay? Is You know what I do? I, I go and I spend like this on, on, on one thing, and then I realize I still got to buy the kids gifts. And then it's, So then you're trying to figure out how to do that. But if you make a budget first, you sort of break it down, and you figure out where you can and what you can spend. Make a budget, or sorry, write it plain, make it clear so you can run with it. So he who reads it can run with it. I know. Because naturally we drift. Um, without something clear, we naturally drift. I had a meeting this week um, uh, with uh, our first impressions. Hannah uh, leads first impressions here and then in Vernon and Kelowna. And I said, first impressions, it, you might know them as the people who make coffee. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were having a meeting, and I said, I said, hey, I'd like you guys to make a vision statement for what you do. I'm like, I know this sounds really pithy, a vision statement for first impressions. I said, but here's the thing is if you don't write a vision statement, if you don't write it really clear, I said very easily your, your um, vision could turn into I make coffee for church. When really the desire is that you make a space for people to feel connected and included in church. And if coffee is a part of that, great. And that's everything that we do. Some of us are, without a vision, we read our Bible because we're supposed to read our Bible. No, I read my Bible to get fed from the word. Some of us think, oh, we go to church because we go to church. No, I'm called to be a part of a community. Did you know actually sitting in a seat in church is not what you're called to do? Nowhere in scripture are you to fill a seat at church, but you are to be a part of a community. Filling a seat never does that. But without the vision, we can miss out on the principle behind it. It's not just play an instrument. It's lead people into the presence of God. You get what I'm saying? Give what you have. Make a budget. Principles that can help us at Christmas or beyond. Third one. Ready for it? Keep to it. Keep to it. Matthew 5, verse 37 says, All you need to say is simple, yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. I'm going to read a little bit more of that um, just for a moment here. Matthew 5.
Let me read from the top of it. It says, again, you have heard it that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Principle. When you make a budget, stick to the budget. How many of you know once you make a budget, you find all the reasons not to follow the budget? As soon as I make a budget, I want a Chocosaurus cookie from Dose. As soon as I make the budget, the night's been long and the day's been hard, and we just want to order pizza for dinner instead of make it. As soon as you make a budget, a sale shows up because it's Black Friday. And that TV you've been looking at forever, it's just gotten closer. So now I'm going to save money. No, no, when you spend money, you're still not saving money. <laughs> Eli, or one of my children, asked me this week, why does everything say $3.99 instead of $4? said, Eli, it's so that you think it's cheaper. And because we used to have a thing called pennies. Because now when it's $3.99, it's just $4. <laughs> but it still advertises $3.99. He's like, this makes no sense. It's $4. Like, yes. But it makes you think. Because you know what? For me, I'm real bad at this stuff. I will tell. I, I'm guaranteed if, if uh, Kimberly asks, and like I, you know, let's say I buy a TV, which I don't do. But like, let's say I bought a TV and it was $299. I'm like, yeah, it was like 200 bucks. She's like, no, it was like 400 bucks. I'm like, well, with taxes and stuff, maybe. But no, I, like, it was about 200 bucks, right? Because it's 299 and the taxes, and it's actually like 375 but I say it was $200 because I think that, because I convince myself. And Scripture's trying to tell us, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Whatever you decide is fine, right? If, you're, if, you're, if your family does this thing where it's like $100 budget, do a $100 budget. If your family pulls names or whatever, pull the name and get that person a thing. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because what does it say? Because everything else is from the evil one. This is talking about integrity. And every principle that, is, that, that comes up in our lives um, is always about the principle being developed in our life. Because if God can trust us with the little things, he will trust us with the big things. Right? We, we look at this, in, and in some ways, and honestly, I felt this week, I was like so frustrated that I knew this was the message I was preaching. I'm like, this is so not spiritual. I don't even want to preach it. But I think this is still what i got to preach. But here's the thing, is these little details that seem so pithy, if we don't master them, we cannot master other things. So many of us want the great things of God, and we can't deal with the little things of God. And you think God's going to give you the great things? No, no, he's going to give you the little things, because until you develop integrity in the little things, until you can stay at your $100 budget on a Christmas gift exchange, until you can make a budget and be clear, well, you, until you can make a budget and be clear about your own personal finances, God's not going to give you any financial control over any other organization or ministry that he has for you because you've not proven it in your little life, right? Until you can minister in your family and minister to your spouse and minister to the friend next door, well, God's not going to give you a, a wide group of 50 to minister to because you haven't been fruitful with the little. We're always given the little. I had a meeting this week, and, and maybe I'll, I'll sort of close with this because John took all my time. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll close with this. I had a meeting this week. We have a guy who's connected to our church, and I don't think he'd mind me sharing it, but I won't share his name anyways. Um, he's connected to our church um, the, in Vernon, 
and he, um, him and his wife came for the first two, three months after we moved to AM services until we got, uh, got shut down in March 2020. And they've not been back to a service since. They're connected to the church. They've got three young kids, and, the, and it just hasn't quite figured out how to make it happen. Because, you know, you got kids, it's hard to get to church. I applaud everyone who has kids and makes it to church and makes a priority. It's super important. Um, and, and nothing against that being difficult. So, but they stayed connected to the church. Two or three years ago, he sent me a message. He said, hey, I'd like to be able to give um, to people in need. Can I do this? Yep. I'm like, yep. So he drops off, and he's like, yeah, I'll just drop some money off at your house and give it out to these things. So he comes by and thinking like, he'll drop off a hundred bucks or something like that. He drops off a thousand dollars. And I'm like, whoa, this is a generous person. I was meeting with him this week and he's, he did not come from much. He has much now. He says, you know, like, he's like, I, I keep asking God, why me? Like, I know where I've come from. I know all this. And he's like, but I feel like God's just said to me recently and he's got his phone when he's praying he goes into every situation he's like holy spirit just direct me and he's got his phone he's like here's what i felt like god just said because you've been faithful and i look at his life and i'm like that's exactly it so two years ago he gave a thousand dollars and we were talking uh so he met met up with me on wednesday and i'm their pastor we don't see each other much they're really easy but i'll dedicate their children they want you know like very interesting he's like oh yeah and he'd ask like oh, i've got money for this and that and I'm like great yeah whatever i'm thinking great he'll thousand bucks he's like it's He's like, so I was thinking, like, this is sort of, is it right? And here, you know, so he hands me $10,000 cash. I'm like, no, <laughs> this has to go into the, we have a, we need a money trail of this. <laughs> Please don't give this to me. But we were talking when he dropped it off. And he said, you know, three or four years ago, when I start, felt like God was asking me to do this, we'd give 100 because that was what we could afford. That's all we could do. He's like, but now, like whenever God's asking me to do something, the numbers always starts at 10,000. We look at the 10,000 thing and and say, like, that's amazing. That's so great. That's so absurd. I can never be like that. Well, actually, God's not asking you to. He's asking you to do it with the 10. Give what you have, not what you don't have. He's asking you to look at the budget. What does Scripture say? It says, um, it says, uh, I'm going to paraphrase it for a moment, but but essentially it says that the desire in God's heart for you is that we can be generous at every occasion. How many of you feel like you have the opportunity to be generous at every occasion? Do you know what usually limits my ability to be generous at every occasion? It's that I think generosity has a dollar value. If generous at every occasion was giving someone a dollar each time, well, actually, I could do that. But because I think it's $20 or $100, I don't do it. And God's asking me, will you be faithful and generous with whatever you have? I love my kids. I've taught them how to tithe and do investments. So every time they get money, they've got these little jars in my office, these little mason jars, and they know 10% has to go into tithe, 10% has to go investment. You know, the $20 they've got in their investment jar, it's not probably going to go very far in their investments. But the principle of putting 10% aside for investments of the future, well, that will go far. It's funny, you know, they get a dollar, so we're breaking out into 10 cents. It's not about the 10 cents of tithe. It's about the principle. We have to deal with the spend what we have, because if we get into debt over Christmas, we'll get into debt over everything. And then we can never get out of this place that God wants to get us out of. And then, you know, here's the thing that happens, right? 
We're in debt, so we're indebted. We're a slave because we're indebted. So then we can't be generous. So every time there's an opportunity to be generous, well, I can't afford to be generous because I got this debt that I got to deal with. You hear what I'm saying? How all of these principles tie together. So let's get, let's spend what we have. If you, if that means it, it doesn't matter. Generosity isn't about how much you give. It never is. It's about the spirit of giving. Generous in time, talent, and treasure. Have a budget. Make it plain. Make it clear. I don't know what money I have unless I make a budget. I don't know what works or doesn't if I make a budget. And then let your yes be yes and you know be no. When you make a budget, when you say you're not going to go into debt, don't. Whose child is that? It's mine. <laughs> Just so anyone's wondering. Um, what was it? I wanted to add one little thing on that. I don't know. Uh, uh, I hope this is helpful. Let me maybe, I don't need to read these other things. I know it's really simple and it seems not spiritual, but so many of our spiritual matters actually are tied into um, such little physical matters. Matters. These are the things that we do that walk out our miracle. So much of, um, so many miracles are, are missed because they're waiting to see it complete in front of them. But actually, we walk out our miracle. If I, if I want financial freedom, if, I've, you know, if you're a person who has debt right now, and, and, and please don't hear any condemnation from me about this, just hear encouragement that there is another way and we can get out of it. And it may not be that you can pay off your $10,000 of debt today. But come on, let's look at your budget. Let's find $10. Let's find $15 that you can put to it every day. Let's not be bound by the debt we have, but let us be overcomers because God is greater than that. Now, maybe we can't do the $10,000. I could that's, that's beyond me. But maybe you do have the dollar that you can find. The quarter. With my kids, it'd be a quarter. Maybe it's the quarter of generosity. Maybe it's the moment of generosity. Maybe it's not that, but maybe it's getting, a, you, know, you know what I mean? Find the way to do it that works. Not in debt, making a budget with integrity. I'm going to close with prayer, and I'm going to invite Jess up to play. Um, I've shared the announcements already. If, uh, if you need those, find find them on the website. Um, and I just want to open up. Uh, I'm going to close in prayer, release you, and then I'm going to open up the front. Just if there's anything that you need prayer for, I want to um, believe with you and pray of it. And maybe it's a financial thing that's come up. Great. If it is, happy to pray with you. If it's not, doesn't matter. I just want to make sure that we have a space that we can uh, gather in prayer. Is that all right? He's just so wide. <laughs> Fill the space. Why don't you close your eyes? Heavenly Father, Jesus, I thank you that you are you are wise. God, I thank you that your word is full of wisdom, both in principle and in action. God, I thank you that you do care about our finances. You do care about our relationships. God, that Christmas is about your birth, God. And God, that all of these things try to cloud us from that. The stresses of money, the stresses of family, the stresses of these things. So many things in our world. It, it seems so potent at Christmas that things are getting in the way of focus on you, God. But it happens every day. Every day, our work life. Every day, our, 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 our 
issues and our frustrations. Every day, the things that work or the things that don't work in our life are all keeping the noise big enough that we never have time to hear from you. God, would we be able to silence the noise in Jesus' name? Silence the the noise of accusation. Silence the noise of uh, condemnation. Silence the noise that says you're not good enough or of course this is what you deserve. Silence the noise that says that, that you do not deserve better. Silence the noise that says that you can't find freedom. Silence the noise that says that the, 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 the scraps is all that's available for you. Jesus, we do not stand on a lie from the enemy, but we stand on the truth from you alone. Not being content with less than you have for us. Willing to work out the miracle. Willing to take the step when we don't see the end yet. Whether that be putting $5 to tons of debt that we can't see how we'll ever be out, but it doesn't mean we won't start. Whether it be not seeing how we can be generous in every occasion, but we will start. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that anything of me would fall away from everyone's memory and not be a part of what continues here, God. But I pray in the name of Jesus that everything that you've spoken to each and every individual here, God, that it would aggravate them until they act on it. That we would not be hearers of the word, but we would be actors of the word, Jesus. We thank you that your purpose is greater than what we see, God, and you desire to move in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.